Next on the 5 o'clock report. Significant snowfall in parts of the area. The officers arrived within seven minutes. The strike was taken in self-defense. The system is broken. I always knew you were one of us. Now, let's go to the newsroom. Winter returns. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. We'll begin with weather. Although midweek snowfall was spotty, meteorologist Kevin Williams predicts a more widespread snow this weekend for much of the listening area. A storm that promises significant snowfall in parts of the area with a focus on portions of central and eastern Pennsylvania and the eastern southern tier of New York in the Saturday night, Sunday morning time frame. Kevin's complete forecast later in this newscast. We're learning more about this morning's shooting at Iowa's Perry High School. New reports say it was a 17-year-old shooter who killed a sixth grader and wounded several other students and adults before taking his own life. Police investigator Mitch Mortvitz says dispatchers got 911 calls and immediately sent officers to the Perry High School. Perry police officers responded within minutes. They immediately made entry and witnessed students and faculty either sheltering in place or running from the school. Once inside, they located multiple individuals with gunshot wounds. Fox correspondent Mike Tobin on what students who survived are saying. Rachel Karras, 18 years old. She was in the band at school because they had band practice apparently before school started. Said the uh, band was there practicing, heard the shots ring out. Uh, The band director instructed the students to run. Terrified, they ran. Perry High School students had just returned from Christmas break. We did it. The U.S. Defense Department confirms it was an American airstrike that killed an Iran-backed militia leader in Baghdad Thursday. The strike also killed another Han member. The strike was taken in self-defense, that no civilians were harmed, and that no infrastructure or facilities were struck. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder telling reporters the militia leader was actively involved in planning and carrying out attacks on U.S. forces in the region. Chanting at a West Bank funeral procession for the most senior Hamas official killed since its war with Israel began almost three months ago now. It's believed he was taken out by an Israeli drone. Meantime, ISIS is taking credit for a bomb attack that killed dozens during a military ceremony in Iran, honoring an Iranian general who was killed in a U.S. drone strike years ago. All of that comes as Secretary of State Antony Blinken returns to the troubled region to try to put a lid on the simmering Middle East pot before it boils over. His visit comes amid growing war that the conflict is already spreading with an apparent Israeli drone strike in Beirut that killed a top Hamas leader and continuing attacks against ships in the Red Sea. CBS's Cami McCormick Blinken's fourth Middle East visit since war broke out there. The ongoing southern border crisis prompted a visit by House Speaker Mike Johnson and a lot of his fellow Republicans. On his first day in office, President Biden came in and issued executive orders that began this chaos. Remain in Mexico is, is one of them. But Democrat Chuck Schumer says Republicans won't find the answers in Texas. Very nice that they have a trip to the border, but the only way to solve this is here, working in a bipartisan way. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The system is broken and it is also underfunded. We need Congress to fix the system and we need the resources to administer it. For some of us, a new year means time for a new diet. Raising the age-old question, which one is the best one? U.S. News & World Report tried to find out, asking 43 experts to weigh the pros and cons of the 30 most popular diets. The best? Number one is the Mediterranean diet, followed by the DASH diet is number two, and number three is the MIND diet, which is a combination. 
Magazine health editor Gretel Schuler. The worst diet? They have a huge dependence on pre-made meal replacements and shakes, so you're never allowing yourself to really learn healthy eating patterns. Next to Florida, where fire officials say the blaze at the Florida mansion of Miami Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill was a case of kids playing with a lighter. The Davy fire marshal says no injuries, and he ruled yesterday's fire accidental. The two-alarm blaze was contained to one room in that $7 million mansion, but there is extensive water damage throughout. I always knew you were one of us. English actress Glennis Johns, who played the daffy suffragette mother, Mrs. Banks, in the classic film Mary Poppins, has died at the age of 100. She appeared in more than 60 films, dozens of plays, was one of the last surviving major stars from Hollywood's golden age. Besides Mary Poppins, she also introduced the world to Stephen Sondheim's famed tune, Send in the Clowns, for Broadway's A Little Night Music. Well, for all of us who spent way too much time playing Tetris back in the day, believe it or not, there is such a thing as winning Tetris. At least there is for 13-year-old Willis Gibson from Oklahoma, who took on the Nintendo version of Tetris and beat the machine, making it to a kill screen on level 157. Yeah, he was in disbelief, we'll say. There's apparently a glitch in the Tetris coding that won't let the game go past that level. The teen goes by the online nickname Blue Scooty. He was in disbelief, and so was the gaming world, since that block-stacking game is considered unbeatable. The makers of Tetris call it an extraordinary achievement. Still to come on the 5 o'clock report, mask mandates back in place in some area hospitals. What's up down on the farm? And highlights from today's Faith Under Fire feature about the ups and downs of post-pandemic church attendance. Our call for tonight, there'll be some flurries around close to Lake Ontario. Otherwise, clear to partly cloudy and cold. Low temperatures tonight in the upper teens to the middle 20s. Tomorrow, clouds and some sunshine high in the 30s. Over the weekend, a storm moving up the eastern seaboard will spread snow into the region. And there'll be accumulations across the board Saturday night into Sunday morning. Heavy accumulations are expected across portions of central and eastern Pennsylvania up into the eastern southern tier and south central New York. Thank you, Kevin. Now, checking the stories, making news where you live across New York and Pennsylvania. Some area hospitals are asking you to mask up again. Family Life's Sarah Harnish. Upstate Hospital in Syracuse started the mask requirement a couple of months ago, and now you can add Arnett Health to the list in the southern tier. Hospital officials there are limiting visitors and requiring masks until January 18th because of a nasty post-holiday spike in the flu, COVID-19, and RSV. 31 states are now reporting high levels of flu-like illnesses. Experts say they expect the flu and COVID-19 to spike by the end of the month and then drop. This year's strain doesn't cause as many deaths and hospitalizations as previous years. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Rochester General Health and Mohawk Valley Health System have also reinstituted temporary masking requirements, as have some systems in Pennsylvania. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's unveiled a new proposal to use phonics to help boost reading proficiency in state schools. The Back to Basics plan, part of her upcoming State of the State address that will be delivered next week, it calls for using phonics to teach students the foundational tools they need to improve their reading skills. A burning issue in the southern tier, literally. It involves the Casella Landfill near Exit 58 of I-86 in Shimon County near Loman. There are signs on the highway warning drivers there they might see a large flame at the landfill as they drive 
by. It's known as a flare. It's used to burn off methane emanating from the landfill due to decomposition. However, too often, well-meaning people see that big flame, think it's a house on fire, and call 911. Shimon County Legislator Rodney Strange tells WENY. We're trying to find some sort of uh, a solution to how we can manage this because the flame will be burning another 18 months to two years at least before it uh, becomes part of the Casella Energy Project with the county. Lawmaker Strange says they're looking into some alternative signage and also just trying to get the word out as often as they can to let people know about the situation, try to snuff out any well-intended false alarms. Big change underway in one of downtown Erie, Pennsylvania's more prominent buildings, Gannon University's Highmark Events Center, previously known as Gannon Auditorium, then Hammermill Center. It'll be closed until early next year to allow for renovations. Gannon President Walter Iwaneko tells Jet TV. This has been planning for about two years, so planning started... Uh a while ago when we were talking about uh, this facility needing an upgrade. We've got a fantastic partner in Highmark, which helped make this all happen. Gannon Athletic Director Lisa Goddard-McGurk says the university's athletic success warrants a nicer arena. Look around at the various banners. There has been a lot of, you know, uh, championships and just excitement here at this facility. So, and, and beyond that, just been a pillar in the community. In the meantime, Gannon indoor sports teams have moved over to the Haggerty Family Events Center. And coming up this weekend, the Pennsylvania Farm Show. Agriculture in Pennsylvania is the number one industry. Indeed, there are hundreds of livestock exhibits and the return of the popular baby goats. Crawl over you, he'll lay on you, you can pet him. Um, he might nibble on your hair a little bit, but it's just a real hands-on experience. This year, the focus is on how food gets from the farm to the grocery store. You see what we produce, who produces it, where we do it. One fan favorite is the food court. Some new items this year, salted caramel milkshakes hmm. and potato cakes. Potatoes are a celebrity for that week. Goat nibbles, potato comfort, and a half million attendees expected at the PA Farm Show in Harrisburg kicking off this weekend. Today's guest on today's Faith Under Fire feature about... The guest on today's Faith Under Fire feature says about half of churches are still seeing reduced attendance three years after the changes brought on after the pandemic. However, a third of congregations are growing and innovating. Here's some of our conversation with Allison Norton of the Religion COVID Research Project. Pre-pandemic attendance, churches across the country had a median attendance of about 65 people in person worship on a Sunday morning. That dropped down to 45 in summer of 2021. Now, what's fascinating is we see this, it is now up to 60, but if you include the hybrid worship reality, so in other words, not just looking at in-person worship, but counting virtual attendance, we see that the median attendance now actually exceeds that of pre-pandemic. It is now up to 75, 15% above the pre-pandemic worship attendance. If you look across the spectrum, attendance has rebounded, but just keep in mind that it's not experienced the same in all congregations. About half of churches have attended below where they were pre-pandemic and about a third are now above. Um, another positive rebound we see is regarding finances uh, up about 42 uh, percent over the past three years. And this is really quite remarkable even when adjusting for inflation. So I think as we've seen churches shift to online giving, we've seen their giving go up when congregations emphasize or include online giving, their per capita giving goes up. Are we fully recovered? Are we mostly recovered? Are we partly recovered? What is your research telling us? 
I think what we see is really a mixed message. And and I think the largest takeaway from our study is that the landscape is unsettled and churches continue to respond to new questions that emerge about how to do virtual worship, how to create a sense of commitment and community among virtual only attenders who may feel more like spectators than committed involved participants. So um, we see really some churches doing well, responding creatively and innovatively, um, being experimental, um, and other churches that three plus years after the start of the pandemic are fatigued and challenged. But at the same time, we do see some hopeful stories out of this. We see that churches have embraced tech in new ways, new and creative ways. I think the enduring nature of hybrid options for worship is the prime example of that. And I think this is an exciting opportunity to ask new questions about what are ways to encourage people in the virtual space to see this church as a home community, as a place for connection and a place to be involved beyond simply observing the live stream or the Sunday morning worship service. Allison Norton directs Congregational Research at Hartford International. More conversation about this five-year study is available at familylife.org slash news podcast. Your nightly market report up next, brought to you by FaithWord Advisors. Here's Family Life's Dave Margolotti. Stocks are mixed today. Yesterday's FOMC Minutes commented that the Federal Reserve is not ready for rate cuts anytime soon, but they are likely to happen in 2024. Members noted that they expect rate cuts of 0.75% by the end of the year as inflation cools, but they gave a cautious tone and stated that the rates could also stay high depending on conditions. ADP employment survey data coming in higher than expected and higher than the prior report. Initial claims came in lower than the consensus and lower than the prior report. General Motors having its best year for car sales since 2019. They saw an increase of 14.1% in 2023. Oil prices shot up more than 3% today as worries in the Red Sea and shipping detours to avoid the Red Sea are affecting trade. Protests in Libya and the shutdown of oil fields, which produce roughly 300,000 barrels a day, also impacting oil prices. S&P 500 sector gains coming from healthcare and financials, losses coming from energy and IT, crude oil closing under $73 a barrel. The Dow rose 10. The Nasdaq dropped 81. The S&P 500 down 16. FaithWord Advisors is a Christian financial planning firm helping faithful stewards do more online at faithwordadvisors.com. Thank you, Dave. This is the 5 o'clock report on Family Life. If you don't already have a New Year's resolution, let me suggest one. Hi, I'm Rob West with a Faith and Finance Minute. This resolution comes from Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. I can't think of a better 2024 resolution than that. Using our financial resources to glorify God and giving Him the best part or the first part of everything we produce. Let me expand on that. Scripture is clear that we're to put God first in our finances. We honor him by giving to the Lord first, then managing well what we have left. So let me encourage you, honor the Lord with your wealth in this new year and with the best part of everything you produce. There is no better way to live. 
Get biblical answers to your financial questions in the FaithFi community. Download FaithFi, Faith and Finance in your app store or visit faithfi.com. All righty, coming up with the 5 o'clock report, a family reunited with a piece of its past. Our call for tonight, there'll be some flurries around close to Lake Ontario. Otherwise, clear to partly cloudy and cold. Low temperatures tonight in the upper teens to the middle 20s. Tomorrow, clouds and some sunshine high in the 30s. Over the weekend, a storm moving up the eastern seaboard will spread snow into the region. And there'll be accumulations across the board Saturday night into Sunday morning. Heavy accumulations are expected across portions of central and eastern Pennsylvania up into the eastern southern tier and south central New York. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. Finally at five. I once was lost, but now am back. Atlantis Plaza Theater's very sleek and modern outside, but its walls inside held a real blast from the past. A renovation crew was taking apart a bathroom wall, and inside they found an old wallet. Inside that wallet, artifacts from 1958. Black and white family photos, a raffle ticket to win a new shiny 59 Chevy, insurance cards, credit cards, and most importantly, a driver's license belonging to local resident Floyd Colbreth. Sadly, Floyd had passed away 10 years ago, but the crew was able to reunite that wallet with her 71-year-old daughter, who still lives around the area, and it's been a treasured discovery for her, her grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, who called it a special moment to be treasured by them to be able to hold and view a snapshot from their beloved family members' past. Plaza owner Chris Escobar says it was like having a time portal inside his theater. That's the world we live in for Thursday, January 4th, 2023. Thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. Family Life News.